Here we go. Welcome to the Sharp 600 brought to you by Covers.com. My name is Joe Fortenball. This is episode 167 of the podcast, your AFC NFC championship game previews. What's up, everybody? It's great to have you guys with us today. Happy Friday. Happy weekend. Happy championship weekend. We've got a million things to get to. Just a few moments, we're going to pop on over to Atlantic City. He's the host of Betting Across America on the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Jonathan Von Tobel will join us to preview Saints-Rams as well as Chiefs-Patriots, and we will close the show with picks. We've got picks for each game. We've got a parlay. We've got a six-point teaser. We're coming off a decent weekend, including the teaser last weekend, 4-2. and We nailed the Patriots game. We nailed the Rams game. A little sloppy in the other two. And uh, the teaser got home without much of an issue between the Saints and the Rams. So all that's in the rearview mirror. Got to forget about it. Got to focus on this week and trying to grind our way towards a profitable NFL season. But first, it is my pleasure to remind you that the Sharp 600 is brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. Covers is very excited to partner with DraftKings, who's offering a free bet up to $500 when you make your first wager. All you have to do is go to the link in the bio of this podcast. It's DraftKings.com slash 500-free-bet. DraftKings.com slash 500-free-bet. You can take advantage of this offer. Act quickly. The promotion won't be around for long. Eligibility and restrictions apply. See website for details. That's how we keep the lights on around these parts. Now it's time to get down to business. We all know each other here, and we're like friends, so if nobody complains, do you have a problem? It's all right. No problem. He is the host of Betting Across America on the Vegas Stats and Information Network, which you can check out on Sirius XM Channel 204. And be sure to follow this guy on Twitter, at me, JVT. Jonathan Von Tobel joining us here on the Sharp 600. JVT, live from Atlantic City, the city of dreams. How's life treating you? Uh, it's going well, man. I uh, just got in. Let's see what time is it. I got in a couple hours ago. I uh, flew in the red eye from Philly, drove in, and it's nice and snowy. So the last two weekends, I finally get to experience some real weather because it, this is the first few weekends it's actually been snowing out here. <laughs> I grew up in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and I am all too familiar with the degenerate drive that if somehow you're spending a night in Philadelphia and you get that itch, you jump on the AC Expressway, and what, an hour, 90 minutes later, you're down in Atlantic City. Oh, good decisions, but bad decisions all at the same time. Yeah, actually, and it's like 45 minutes, man. So I can see why if you lived in Philadelphia, like, I don't know why you wouldn't go down to AC more often if you Damn. really did get the itch. It's a really easy drive. I, I have no idea close. how close everything was over here on the East Coast. <laughs> all right. You and a good friend of mine who I used to work with, Michael Lombardi, you guys broadcast from Ocean Resort in Atlantic City on the weekend when you're hosting Betting Across America. How's legalized betting doing in New Jersey? I mean, they love it out here, and you can see it every single report that comes out. I mean, the handle has gone up every single month uh, for New Jersey. There was the one month, I don't know if it was October or November, um, but the books got hit pretty hard because the betters actually had a good month, and it was hilarious because you see some quotes from some guys behind the counter like, I don't know if we could do this or how, if we can keep this up, and it was yeah. relaxed, right? <laughs> I mean, you, you guys had one bad month. I think everything's going to even out, and sure enough, it did. But it's actually, they really do enjoy it out here, and I think the one thing that's really caught on in because of the books that operate out here, right, like DraftKings and William Hill uh, and FanDuel, is the mobile handle is, like, through the roof. It's what they get in terms of majority of their bets. It's all through the mobile app. 
So the mobile betting is really big out here. And I think a lot of it has to do with the operators, but there's a really big hunger for it. All right. Speaking of hunger, we got two big games on Sunday, the NFC and AFC championship matchups. Both are rematches from the regular season. How much does that factor into your handicapping? Uh, I think it definitely does to, to an extent. So you like to go back and, you know, you'll watch the games and you'll see exactly uh, how each team did what they did. Uh, but these are different teams uh, really across the board for the most part. And the big thing for the AFC Championship game, of course, is it's a different venue. Uh, and then you look at the NFC Championship game, and while it's back in New Orleans, uh, the line's completely different. New Orleans is a home dog when these two teams met. Now they're three-point uh, three favorites or three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, and on top of that, I mean, the Rams look like a different team in the way that they have gotten here, the way they beat the Cowboys. Boys and the Saints and Drew Brees look a little bit different because Drew Brees doesn't look nearly as effective. So I think you can take a few things from it, but with the changes that you've seen from when these two teams met each matchup to now, uh, I don't think you take everything from those past two matchups at all. Let's begin our focus with the NFC Championship game. Like you said, Saints either a three-point favorite or a three-and-a-half, depending on the sportsbook. Total right in the neighborhood of 56-and-a-half. How does Rams quarterback Jared Goff fare in the New Orleans crowd noise? I think he'll be fine for an extent. I mean, this is the thing that I think worries you with Goff is the Saints are top two in terms of rush defense, whether it's, you know, yards allowed, uh, yards per rush attempt allowed. And they did have a great performance uh, last week against the Dallas Cowboys where you have two backs who just absolutely mauled to that front seven of Dallas. Uh, But I think this front seven is going to stand up a little bit tougher this time around. So if he is forced to do everything on his shoulder, uh, I'm, I'm a little worried that he might have too much in terms of a load if he can't get anything going. But at the same time, again, talking about going back to these past matchups, he fared pretty well against the secondary. He had three touchdowns to one interception the last time they met. Uh, the Saints secondary, 27th or 29th, or excuse me, 26th in terms of opponent yards per pass attempt. So they can be a little soft uh, in terms of giving up big plays. But here's the big thing for me is that, of course, Cooper Cup's not going to be available for him, and he hasn't looked the same without Cooper Cup. So uh, I think he would be somewhat fine uh, if it had to come down to it. But, of course, you really would rather have Todd Gurley or C.J. Anderson provide some sort of uh, balance to that offense. I'd imagine after the way they performed last week, a lot of the betting public is going to want to play overs on props surrounding Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson. Do you see them having anywhere near the success they had against the Cowboys against the Saints? I don't think it's going to be to that level. I really don't. This Saints defense, if you look at across the board out of these four teams, which defense would you rather have? I think a majority of people would rather say the New Orleans Saints above a lot of these. And I think maybe the Rams would get some votes because of the big names up front. But you look at what the Saints defense can do against opposing rushers. They're absolutely fantastic. So I would venture to say, like right now, Todd Gurley is 71 and a half. I actually leaned under on that one because I think that's a little high. If the Saints are going to have success at home, which I think they are, uh, they're going to bottle up Todd Gurley. And so maybe something like a total passing or, excuse me, a rushing and receiving yards for Todd Gurley would be something to look at. But if you're just playing over on rushing yards for Todd Gurley or Anderson, uh, I think you're going to be in for a rough day pulling your hair out and watching him get stuffed like run after run. Any concerns over another slow start from the Saints, much like they had against the Eagles? I'm figuring that was a byproduct of having not played the starters since week 16. So essentially it was a three-week layoff, and eventually they got it cooking in the second quarter. But I got to ask the question anyway. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't think so. And even go back to like that Eagles game, right? I mean, the interception that Drew Brees threw, that was a touchdown. He just underthrew his man, right? So it looked like they had things going. Uh, they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. So I personally think, no, I mean, like you mentioned, uh, you the rest guys week 17, you don't obviously play the wild card round. So you have a little bit of rust, not really playing for two straight weeks, essentially, or three straight weeks. Um, I think that they'll be in a little bit better form. And again, you just watch, and it was just their own mistakes as opposed to really lackadaisical play. And defensively, look, the Rams, uh, if they can come out and they can run the ball the Saints, and I think they'll be able to, the Rams are still really not that great defensively. You look at what they do, uh, football outsiders in terms of rush DVOA has them 28th. They give a 5.1 yards per carry on the ground, which is dead last in the NFL. If they can come out and get a heavy dose uh, of their running game and actually keep Drew Brees just a little bit more comfortable and they don't have to do too much with him, uh, I think they'll be off to a pretty quick start. Before we move on to the AFC Championship game, do you lean to any specific position between the side or the total for this one? I, you know, I was I was leaning a little bit here towards the over. Uh, I know that, uh, of course, in the championship games and in the postseason and rematches, uh, the thought is to go under. Uh, but you look at this, it's on the fast track, of course, two offenses that can really score and light it up. Uh, and on top of that, both of these defenses do have glaring weaknesses that I think the other can take advantage of. You know, obviously you mentioned the rush defense uh, for the Rams, and, of course, the Saints have a dynamic duo at running back. And then you have uh, the other side where the Saints can be a little soft in terms of coverage and maybe. Jared Goff and Todd Gurley in the passing game uh, will be able to take advantage of that. So I think this is going to be a little bit more of a high-scoring affair. Last time it was 80 points. I'm not sure if it's that to to that degree, but I had a 34-31 final in this one, uh, so maybe just getting over the total. Uh, as far as a side, I lean towards the Saints, but nothing strong to the point where I want to lay uh, the three and a half or three. AFC Championship game, Kansas City laying three with a total of about 56 against the New England Patriots. Let's start with the New England Patriots. How good is this iteration of Belichick's New England squad versus previous years? I think this is his worst team in like 10 years. I go back to, um, I think it's 2009 or 2010, if you'll remember the wild card game where the Ravens went in and just absolutely destroyed them. It was Ray Rice, and they ran it down their throat the entire time. I mean, I think this is the worst team since that team. Uh, but yet again, it's funny, I, I was making fun of Lombardi like leading up to the postseason and at the start of the postseason because obviously, you know, every single day he wears that stupid Patriots Super Bowl ring that he got a few <laughs> years ago in the, uh, Atlanta, in the Atlanta win. And I'm like, do you realize that this is going to have, this is before the postseason, I said, this is his worst team in 10 years, and yet it's going to set up perfectly, and they're still going to be in the AFC Championship game with a chance to win the Super Bowl. Like, oh, no, you're just hating. I'm like, no, watch. And then sure enough, here we are, eighth consecutive AFC Championship game, one win away from another Super Bowl. Um, but I think this is his worst team. I think you have to look at it, both offensively and defensively, and we'll get into some more of the numbers. But if you just watch this team, especially on the road, this is one of his worst teams that he's had in the last eight to ten years. And on the flip side of the equation, this may be one of the best teams Andy Reid has fielded in his entire time in the NFL yep. as a head coach. He had some great Eagles teams, but this is a dynamic Chiefs team. Any concerns over Andy Reid at the end of the first half or at the end of the fourth quarter if this one's tight? It always comes back to that for me. Having been uh, raised in the Philadelphia area, I grew up an Eagles fan, and Andy is such a great X's and O's guy Monday through Saturday. But once you get to Sunday and you make decisions in-game, it sometimes overwhelms him, and that's one of my only concerns regarding the Chiefs this weekend. 
and I think that's completely understandable. And I think the one thing that betters, if you do want to side with the Chiefs, um, that you think you can take a little solace in is I thought against the Colts, he didn't take his foot off the gas pedal. I thought he didn't really get too conservative. I thought they kept trying to attack Indianapolis. And, yes, Indianapolis actually, if you watch the game, had a chance to get back in that. Two missed kicks uh, by Adam Vinatieri, one extra point, one field goal. And then there was the brutal uh, rough uh, running into the kicker call that would have given the Colts the ball back and a chance to get within the uh, number. Uh, but I thought if you watch that, Indianapolis defensively really kind of tightened the screws in the second half. But I thought they kept going at him in the, in the second half. So I think maybe you can feel a little bit better about that. And I think Patrick Mahomes changes everything. I think the fact that you have a kid that's, that's that electric that can attack downfield the way he does with his arm, uh, I think this team is going to continue to be aggressive. And I, I would think, you know, that's going to be the storyline, obviously, to going up and leading up to kickoff. Andy Reid, to some extent, has to know that he has to stay aggressive against a team in which he's, you know, he screwed it up before uh, in the postseason. So I, I think that he's going to continue to be aggressive, much like we saw against the Indianapolis Colts. The question is, is just like Indianapolis, does New England come out in the second half and have a better defensive game plan? And I, I personally don't think they will. Saturday night, Reid should gather his team in the hotel conference room, and he should play the second half of last year's AFC Championship game. He should show them the Jaguars taking their foot off the gas, getting complacent, getting scared, trying to hold on for your dear life, and then letting New England get to the Super Bowl because of the way they approach that game. Yep, I completely agree, and, and it's and it's a fine balance between being aggressive and then not trying to you know keep running the score up as much as possible. Just stick with the game plan. You know, uh, the best that Lombardi always says it all the time. You know, just you go out there. The scoreboard is and it's cliche, but it's, it's zero zero. It, you just keep running your game plan like it's either a tie game or you're trailing, uh, because you cannot give. T- Look, Tom Brady is great and just said that this is one of the worst teams that they've had in 10 years. Um, But the Patriots, look, it's Tom Brady in New England. For some reason, it's very annoying that they're always in this position, and you never want to be in a spot where you can give the game back to them. The word is, originally anyway, that they were supposed to be this Arctic blast settling over Kansas City for the game, but now that's since been adjusted. It's going to be cold, but not as cold. People keep trying to tell me that benefits New England. I I keep thinking to myself, why? Um, Every year leading up to the draft, when I hear – scouts talking about quarterbacks they always talk about arm strength Mahomes has the strongest arm in the league those that arm strength is specifically for bad weather games I don't think the stage is going to be too big for Patrick Mahomes so would any sort of weather favor either team in this scenario I don't think really the weather I mean obviously it's going to be freezing but I'm with you I mean I guess that Tom Brady and the Patriots have a small advantage considering they're always playing in cold weather like this um, but it's not like the Chiefs played in the Dome last weekend, right? I mean, they got a little bit of a taste of it, and the difference was they had to deal with a little bit of precipitation, and I think that's going to help them out, actually. Um, there won't be any precipitation this time around, uh, but they did have to deal with a little bit more cold and wet footballs uh, last weekend against the Indianapolis Colts. Now it's just going to be cold, and I think there's something to the fact that, look, it's the AFC Championship game. <laughs> At some point, these players aren't going to care about how cold it is. They're just going to want to go out there uh, and play, and then on top of that, um, if you look at the forecast is getting better. I think right now the the forecast is going to be like low 20s, mid 20s, something like that. It's getting getting, yeah, right. Yeah. I was going to say it's getting balmy out there. So uh, I think the, I think the weather's going to be a little bit overblown. And I'm with you. I've heard a lot leading up to this week. Like, I thought, you know, when I saw that Arctic blast, I I think I looked a little bit harder at uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I'm like, why? I mean, if weather's going to be the big difference for you, then I don't think you had a strong enough opinion here one way or the other. I I mean, I really like Kansas city in this matchup uh, a lot and the weather, I don't know. I don't think it really benefits one side or the other. And I think there's been an overreaction 
action on the total, too. I mean, we've seen this drop, and it's starting to come back up to like 55 and a half. As long as it's not wet or windy, it's not going to really affect too much. So I take it you're laying the three with Kansas City? Uh, I'm going to look at laying the three points. I'm going to hold out to see maybe if I can get two and a half because just like last weekend, for some reason, um, right before kickoff for the Chargers-Patriots game, it dropped the three and a half from the four. So I'm going to hold out as much as possible, but I'm also looking for a really cheap money line price, too, on Kansas City. Right now, uh, mainly in the range like minus 155, uh, hoping to get maybe minus 140 or something like that, which is what originally opened at some spots. So hopefully it comes back down. Uh, but, yeah, Kansas City, uh, minus three, minus two and a half if I can get it, and uh, on the money line is really where I'm going to go to. I, I like this Chiefs team a lot. And if you look, and this is something which I really find funny, Joe, is you know we, we talk about experience, and Tom Brady's been here in the cold weather. And for some reason, we forget that this team was god-awful on the road this season. Uh, three and five straight up. Um, they had some of their worst losses on the road. They lost to the Lions. They lost to the Jags. They lost to the Titans, all in manners which they were just physically manhandled. Um, I haven't seen this team show up on the road one time this season. And there's been a lot made of, well, it's going to be Sonny Michelle and heavy ground game. Sonny Michelle has four 100-yard games, if you include last weekend against the Chargers. Three of those were at home. The one that was on the road is against the New York Jets. Like, every number, if you look at it, is terrible for New England on the road. Uh, I think they're going to have a really tough time with this offense. And this defense isn't that great either for New England. So, yeah, I like Kansas City a lot. Money line and the point spread if I can get two and a half. He's the host of Betting Across America on the Vegas Stats and Information Network. You can check it out on Sirius XM Channel 204. Follow him on Twitter at me, JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel joining us here on the Sharp 600. My man, I always appreciate the time. Enjoy the weather in Atlantic City. Good luck this weekend. Look forward to doing it again soon. Yeah, man, no problem. Anytime. I'm going to go out there right now and build a snowman and have some fun. <laughs> Don't you worry, son. It will all be over soon. Three and two last week as we nailed the Rams, the Patriots, and the Patriots' first half. Our losers came via the Colts over team total and the Saints-Eagles over. So, 3-2 and two last week, but we did hit the teaser as well, which was Rams-Saints. On the season, 44-29-2. and two. Our six-point teasers are now 11-7-1. and one. No script this week. I call these two matchups eye-test games. I've watched enough of each of these four teams throughout the course of the season that I know exactly where I want to go. Straight from the gut, baby. Music, please. All right, game number one is the NFC Championship game in New Orleans, Sunday afternoon. You know the time. You know the location. It's the Saints minus three over the Rams, and that's going to be the pick. Saints minus three over the Rams. Do not let the Cowboys game from last week fool you, okay? There are two ways to rush the passer in the National Football League. One is by blitzing. Two is by getting home with your front four. But if you're going to get home with your front four, you're going to need to stunt. A stunt is when you take your defensive lineman and line them up in one gap, and then at the snap, that lineman shoots through another gap. The key is to create chaos in the backfield. It's to confuse the offensive lineman, wreak havoc on the passing game and the running game. The Cowboys are one of these teams. They don't like to blitz very much, so they rely on stunts. The problem, however, is that they were tipping their hand, and because of some great scouting on behalf of Sean McVay and the Rams, they knew when and where the Cowboys were going to stunt. The Rams' offensive line would pick up on the tells, relay it to Jared Goff. Goff would check into the appropriate play. And that's why you saw C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley running eight, nine yards down the field before anyone would lay a hand on them. 
this will not happen in New Orleans on Sunday for a variety of reasons. Number one, the Saints are a much better coach team than Jason Garrett's Cowboys. Number two, the Saints are a much better run defense. And if Jared Goff does not have the running game to lean upon, he's going to be in trouble. Remember, Goff relies on head coach Sean McVay to relay him the play. He likes to see the defense line up and then get Goff into the right play. But on the road in New Orleans, it's going to be loud. So there are going to be communication issues. Goff's going to have trouble getting the play to his receivers, his linemen, his running backs. And even if he does get it off in time, he still has to execute against one of the league's better defenses. I'm not buying the Rams having a whole lot of success in New Orleans. As for New Orleans, look, they were sloppy in the first quarter against Philadelphia last week, but that's because they were off for three weeks prior. They didn't play the starters in Week 17. They had a bye, and they looked rusty. And as a result, the Eagles jumped up 14-0 on them. But how did the final three quarters of that game go? New Orleans outgained Philadelphia 406 total yards to 97. They outclocked them 32 minutes and 38 seconds to just over 12 minutes. They had a plus two turnover differential, and they outscored them 20 to nothing. The Saints owned that game. They just played a bad 15-minute stretch. So that's that. Don't let recency bias fool you. Lay the three with New Orleans. They're moving on to the Super Bowl. Game number two is the AFC Championship. Kansas City's laying three against the Patriots. The Patriots are slow. They're slow defensively. They're slow offensively. They're slow at quarterback. They're slow at tight end where Rob Gronkowski doesn't even run routes anymore. He's a hell of a blocker, but he's not much of a pass catcher anymore. So you're going to take this slow football team and you're going to move them down to Kansas City to try to take out the fastest team in the league in the Chiefs? Good luck. Recency bias has been in full effect with everything that has touched the Chargers over the last week of the season. Case in point, last month, Chargers go to Kansas City, beat the Chiefs on Thursday night. Next day, everyone's talking about the Chargers in the Super Bowl. So what happens? The Chargers lose their next game out against Baltimore. A home game, mind you, against Baltimore. Everyone starts talking about how the Ravens are going to be the most dangerous out in the playoffs. So what happens there? Two weeks later, the Chargers go to Baltimore and predictably, you heard it on this podcast, shut down that weak-ass read option that Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense were running. The read option is not going to work in the NFL. RPOs work, but not the read option. Why? Because NFL defenders are fast, strong, and they tackle. You don't see a lot of great tackling in college football, hence why the read option isn't going to work when there's no threat of the pass, which is what Lamar Jackson was lacking in that game. So now everyone's back on the Charger bandwagon. They go to New England, and what happens? New England smacks them. They had two weeks off. They play great at home in the playoffs. They're well-coached. Anthony Lynn's a nice guy. He's a motivator, but he never changed his scheme. He made no in-game adjustments. He stuck back with his defense in that zone that Tom Brady picked to shreds from the start of the game to the end. The Chargers are the most talented team in the AFC, possibly the most talented team in the league, but they are one of the more poorly coached teams in the league, hence why they lost that game. So now everyone's back on the Patriots bandwagon. I'm not buying it. The Chiefs should be laying five in this spot. Andy Reid was very aggressive in last week's win over Indianapolis. He's going to be aggressive again. Lay the three with Kansas City. So your two official individual picks, lay the three with the Saints, lay the three with Kansas City. In addition, six-point teaser. It's never really a good idea to tease through the number zero, but we're going to do it here because we give you a six-point teaser every week. So take the Saints from minus three to plus three, Tease it with the Chiefs. Move them from minus three to plus three. And in addition, a money line parlay. Take the Chiefs on the money line. Parlay it with the Saints on the money line. And that is a wrap for episode 167 of the Sharp 600. 
Thanks to our friends at DraftKings for sponsoring the podcast. The information for your free $500 wager can be found in the bio of this pod. Thanks to Jonathan Von Tobel for joining us with great insights from Atlantic City. Thanks to all of you for continuing to support this project. We love you. Be well, everybody, and best of luck.